Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, We also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Billy Samoa Salibi. Billy is host of Inside Out and co-founder and CEO at Podify and a bunch of other things too, which I'm excited to learn about his story. Welcome to the podcast, Billy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation. We already got started in the pre-conversation, so looking forward to extending it now. 
Yeah, that was already so much fun. So I was thinking, man, should have just been recording our great conversation about uh, <laughs> about all things coffee. That was that was great fun. Uh, first of all, can you tell our listeners what you do, Billy? Sure. So I am in the podcast space. I got started in podcasting when I left Tesla, where I was the head of training for sales and product. And so uh, when I left, I was like, well, what am I going to do next? And I, I had really any, any option I wanted. I could do whatever I wanted, I felt. And I had unlimited possibilities and potential to do something different, try something new. And so my background was in training and also entertainment. I made a movie in my 20s. So I had this creative side to me, but I also had this teacher educator side to me. So I blended those when I created my podcast inside out, which is all about those transformational insights that remarkable people have in their lives that help them on their own life trajectory, become the people they are. And it's those moments of insight that I'm deeply fascinated by, because those are the times when we have really important pivotal moments that could really change the entire trajectory of our lives. And so uh, after starting the podcast, I instantly, fell in love. I love, I'm an inquisitive person by nature, probably like yourself, love asking questions. And that led to me starting another podcast called for the love of podcast. So sort of realizing how much I loved the craft. I said, you know, there's really something that I could be doing beyond my own shows and that's helping other people make their shows. Yeah. And so I co-founded Podify and we do everything A to Z from editing a show to social media management to building their website, helping them with show notes, anything they could need to lighten the load. Because as you know, there's so much that goes into a podcast. Yeah. Just having that extra hand really, really helps. And that's that's how Podify was born. And now we are just bringing on new, exciting people to help them make their podcast a reality. That's awesome. I, I, love, uh, I love that story. And I definitely have been surprised. I don't know if you found this as well, but, uh, or if you hear this a lot, but I've been surprised at how much podcasting has fit me like a glove when other types of content for various reasons. Um, I, I feel like it takes a lot of effort for me to really, uh, really do something that I, that I can be proud of, but I feel like this format really suits me. But also the thing that blows my mind is uh, someone recently was um, sharing a statistic. I, I can't remember where I heard it, but like 43% people who listen to podcasts are 43% more likely to earn over $200,000. And, um, and that just blew my mind. So to all our listeners, you know, uh, well done. And, <laughs> um, and, uh, but also just the, the thing that blows my mind about podcasts and about YouTube a bit as well is the format, the fact that we're having this conversation now, but I know that investing this time to find out about Billy and, and get to know your story and just have a fun conversation about really important, significant things around leadership and business that yes, we invest that time now. Yes. People will listen now, but in two years time, someone could discover the podcast, uh, you know, 200 episodes forward and then come back and, and the pattern mm. people have for those listening, because it's a lot of leaders listening. So uh, a bit of a shout out to Podify for those leaders who are looking at their next content strategy. You should hit Billy up because this is why I love podcasting so much. You do it once and you know that as people drip feed into your uh, ecosystem, the pattern proven pattern for podcasting and we've all done it if you think about yourself when you love something and suddenly it clicks and you go oh this is awesome you then go back and you binge from the start and so that for me from a business leadership perspective makes podcasting uniquely those different ingredients has, has really meant it's definitely my favorite type of content and platform right now by a long way mm, you know you hit on some really really interesting things there that i i, I fully agree with one is you know, finding that content type that resonates with you, with your style, with the way you operate. And in your case, in my case, it happens to be podcasting. Once you find it, it makes the creation of the content feel effortless. And I, I think yeah. getting to that point where you find it is, is critical because maybe you're the type, I mean, I love writing, but I also know that when I know I have to write, it feels like a chore and it, and it, I end up putting it off. I procrastinate. Mm -hmm. But I don't do that with podcasting. I mean, maybe every now and then I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this or that. But 
I think part of it is like, if I have an interview, I got to do the interview. It's like, it's like an accountability <laughs> thing set up in yeah. there. And so you have this long-term sustainable runway that you create for yourself when, when you know, when it's something you love and love doing, you enjoy doing it. And, and it's something that you're going to continue to do over and over and over again, because to your, to your second point, which is the longevity of the, the medium and, and the platform is amazing, right? Because uh, this episode gets listened to X amount of times over the next few months, but to your point, years down the road, it could also be listened to. In fact, I was just reading a study where they said 50% of podcast downloads are for archived or older episodes longer than 30 days old. Wow. So think about that. I mean, just think about that. And it's like, you know, you, and who knows, right? Like you, you, this show takes off to your point and you have all these new listeners who now want to go back and listen to the older content. Cause a lot of it's still applicable. It's not necessarily going to be the latest news thing where mm -hmm. you, it's like a trending topic. And that's why I like having conversations like the way in which you do this. It's really yeah. about the organic conversation between some human beings. Yeah. And that's timeless. And that's why I, I actually think there's uh, there's a lot of parallels between our podcasts. I loved your description about key insights. And this could be my segue to, uh, because I got too excited about podcasts and started chatting about that, but I want to chat about Billy. And um, I love that the way you said, what are some of those key insights that really transform your life? So let me ask you, as you think back to say young Billy, you know, growing up your childhood and, and teenage years, are there any moments that really stand out to you that were pivotal in shaping you not only to be the leader you are and, and the entrepreneur, I can hear that just with the story about Potify, which I love, um, but also the person you are today. Oh yeah. I mean, going back in time and looking at my childhood, there's a few things that stand out. One is projects. And what I mean by that is I had these assignments and this goes way back to like fifth and sixth grade. I had this teacher, Mr. Santel, and he would give us these elaborate assignments that we had to then produce a in-depth report. It could be about botany, for example. And one of them was about botany. So, I mean, I have this like, and I still have it. I have probably like a 50, 60, 70 page detailed report on different types of trees and flowers and all these different things. And so I think that really laid the foundation for a few things. One is attention to detail. Two is comprehensive study. I mean, at that, at that time, I'm aging myself a bit. There was no internet to look this stuff up. We had to look at an encyclopedia, something like that to get this information. But that experience really laid the foundation for who I became. I ended up as I mentioned, becoming a filmmaker, which I'll share another story, which helped to lay the foundation for that. But when you do something that is large in scope and it could be an elaborate party, which I've had a fair share of those as well, or it could be a training event, which is really what I did in the corporate space was I, I, I got recognized for creating memorable trainings. And the reason they were memorable is they weren't cookie cutter. They weren't boring mm. corporate trainings. And so I think I realized at a very young age that I love creating experiences and which leads to the second story. I was 11th grade in an English class, an AP English class, which is like sort of an honors, you know, a, a, a more challenging English class. And one of the assignments was to make a video that is inspired by some of the literature we were, we were reading. And I'll be honest, I was not the best. I didn't love reading, but I loved making these videos about these books. And that is really what made me want to study film in school, which then led to me making a movie. And so it was these moments of insight that I had at a very young age. And some of it, I, I don't even know how consciously I knew it at the time, but in, as I reflect now, I could say that that really was a pivotal moment in my life that led to future decisions that I made, because you never know when you're making a really big life decision, like moving I was a business major and I transitioned to film. That mm. was a monumental decision because then when I graduated, I was like, okay, well, what next? I, I got a film degree. I should probably go make a movie. <laughs> and so I, I think what ties all these things together is creating the experience. And the last thing I'll mention is I'm a big believer in the power of surprise. And I think yeah. fundamentally the way I always approach any experience I'm creating is will this surprise someone or not? 
And if it's not going to surprise someone, it's probably forgettable because we're hardwired to forget the things that are the same, Mm. but we are very keenly aware of things that are different because our mind wants to protect us, right? From anything that's going to put us in harm's way. Yeah. And so I just look for things that are going to make people pay attention because it's something new, novel, or unique that's going to alert them to say, oh, I should probably pay attention to this. That's brilliant. I've, I've never thought of it that way, um, but that is such a great lens for content creation. And, and as you were talking, it makes perfect sense to me now that you love podcast and podcasting and, and even Podify so much because uh, with your, like, I think that with training and making training truly engaging, the skills that you must have had to actually do that so well now that you explain it, I'm like, oh, that's that's a perfect crossover to to podcasting because it's I feel like that's what I that's another thing I love about podcasts is this is really a and your your podcast is the same. This is really a training uh ground for people in leadership, but just in a way that we love. Um I just had Matt Abrahams on uh my podcast from Stanford University and he was talking about the neuroscience um, not his work, but he, he was talking about it, the neuroscience of how our brains are wired for story. And I was like, wow, I did not know that. But uh, I love that about, about you and what you do is it's like, this is really, um, you know, it's not like you haven't really left some of that uh, when it comes to people experiencing, when it comes to people training and growing, that theme has stayed right through your life from a movie to, uh, to running training programs to now podcasts. And when, when Matt Abrahams mentioned that, that like the brain is neuro, like the, the wiring is so that a story does something different to anything else. I'm like, Oh, of course, of course your podcast then is going to affect people in a way that's different to someone going here, Billy are my five tips for blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's so true. And, and great, great insight there because let's face it. The oldest form of communication is storytelling. Before there was the internet, before there were books, TV, any of that, there was somebody at a campfire telling a story. And that goes back thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. That's how we exchange information generation to generation is through the art of storytelling. And we, we are innately, and so much of this comes back to our, our hardwired DNA. We are innately wired to respond to emotional connections mm-hmm. that we can relate to because in a story you chemically feel what's being described. If it's something describing smell, it's your olfactory, right? You're, you, you start to literally start to smell it in, in your own mind. It's amazing how powerful the brain is to be able to pick up on that nuance. And, and then to your point, you, you think about this, this art form that we have in podcasting, it really does allow us to, Take maybe, you know, for me as an example, I was training. And so I, I think that the definition of value that Chris Doe says, and I interviewed Chris Doe, he says, value is giving something to someone that they don't already know, like giving mm-hmm. them something that they aren't familiar with, or maybe it's being described in a new and interesting way. And so yeah, to your point, I'm, I'm doing that now, even though it's a different medium, I, I did it as a trainer. Like when we did, instead of doing role-playing, just generally we would do American Idol or we would do family feud where we would infuse <laughs> pop culture and, 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 a, and a TV show that people knew. And we integrated that into the experience. So it's like, they've never experienced this before. It made it more fun, made it more memorable. And therefore it made it more sticky. People begin to respond and actually embrace and embed with their learning into their mind, which is, is rare. Yeah, that's so good. And I'm, I'm imagining all the leaders listening and their ears sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, perking up at the idea of, wait a second, uh, because so much of what you're saying is a challenge for leaders. How do you engage, not just in training, but generally, how do you do a better job of, of um, engaging and adding value to your leadership team, to your customers, to your partner, like the partner organizations. I, I, I can't help but come back to what you said about surprise because I think that's so mind-blowing. I haven't uh, thought of it from that lens. And you've obviously thought a lot about this. What advice would you give? What have you learned about how to craft 
surprises in an age where the what the average attention span you, you hear it thrown around is like seven seconds and we see so many things what what have you learned about crafting surprise yeah i have studied it a little bit and i i am deeply fascinated by it i mean it's a pretty cool topic to explore because it's so important because it's not necessarily thought about or talked about that much i think people instinctually know to do it and i'll, I'll tell i'll tie this back to leadership because i know a lot of your listeners are leaders and they really want to fine tune their ability to uh, develop their own leadership skills and also be be somebody that people want to follow. Uh, I, I saw this, I used to run leadership development at a company called Solar City and we came across this video. And the video is really interesting to me because it said followship. When we think about leadership, no one's a leader unless somebody's following them. So let's, let's, let's boil this down to what makes somebody want to follow someone else. And there, there are two things. It's the interactions that you have with that person, right? And it's the decisions you make the interactions you have and the decisions you make. And so as a leader, I think it's really important that you are constantly thinking about the other human being that you're talking to and that every decision you make, every interaction you make, you, you, you take a beat, you take a moment to not just respond instinctually or respond impulsively or subconsciously, but to, to respond with purpose and with intention. And I think the same thing mm. holds true with surprising people. Uh, if you think about surprising people, well, why, why is it that a surprise is so powerful? The reason why is if you've ever driven from point A to point B and it's a trip that you take all the time, it could be to work, it could be to school, whatever trip you do all the time. Yeah. Have you ever gotten to the destination? You're like, I don't even remember driving there. <laughs> <laughs> you're on autopilot. And so most people are on autopilot throughout their day and, and for the same reason, you, you know, I, I have a lot of Australian friends, as I mentioned, and I know how much they love to travel. I love to travel too. But the one thing I know about travel is I remember the trips that I take way more than I remember my day-to-day -day life. Why is that? Because it's all new information. So to answer your question very specifically, I would think about it with the end recipient in mind. What will surprise this person? What will be unique or interesting to this person? Mm. It's much like leadership is not a one size fits all. And I think surprising people is not a one size fits all. Yeah. I think knowing who your audience is and being able to think about what that individual needs. And obviously every situation is going to be different. If you're a CEO, you're, you're, you may be talking to a lot of people. So you got to know what, what team are you talking to? What group are you talking to? Uh, if you're more of a field level in the weeds manager, where you have a team of five, 10, 15 people, you got to know them. I mean, you have to know them. I mean, leadership is something that's near and dear to my heart. And I, I as humbly as I could possibly say, I think I'm, I think I'm a good leader. And the reason mm. why is I take the time to get to know that other person. And I think fundamentally yeah. to make sure that you're doing the right kind and surprise is just one example, but it's all, it's every interaction you have. It's not just mm. the surprise. Any interaction you have should really, you should think through like that particular person how the interaction you're going to have with that particular person will land. Because yeah. if you know somebody is going to respond in a negative way, you have to be very mindful of that. Words matter. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you say something and you got to have the, the EQ and the social awareness to be able to navigate the situation. So this is a super nuanced and fascinating subject to dissect, but there's so much that goes into it. It's the reading the room. It's the empathy. It's the, the EQ. And then it's the simply the, the knowledge of that other human being and who they are and how they would respond as an individual. That's so helpful and uh, really interesting. And, and what I love is there's so much crossover with other guests who've been looking at things from a completely different angle about leading or, or even if I bring up Matt Abrahams again, because we were talking all about communication and yet his biggest thing, like number one thing to start with was understanding your audience. And, and so it's, it's, um, and you can break that down to, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, <laughs> like great leaders do a better job, I think, of understanding who the person is sitting across the table from them. It's nothing worse than sitting in a one-on-one -on -one with your leader and feeling like they just don't get you or that um, 
one thing is if they're not listening and they're not hearing you, but another thing is if they just don't get you, they just don't understand you. That's very disempowering. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you, and you, you've touched on a, a piece of, of what I think is so core to every relationship that we have, and that is doing yourself a favor and, and whoever you're talking to a favor, and you don't need to respond right away. You can take a second to digest and, and actually hear, our, our, going back to our mind and how we're hardwired, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes you could say, what? Like, what did that person say? And then you hear it. That's because your mind, your brain literally has something that plays back. I forget what it's called, but it, it plays it twice. So you say, you, you say a sentence to me and I don't hear it. I say, what did you say? And then all of a sudden I hear it like, what? he didn't say it again, but I heard it. It's because it played it again. And it literally does this just naturally. So point being, and this is being mindful, you, you the mindful leader is a leader who doesn't react in haste. Quick decisions are good. I'm not saying you shouldn't make decisive, take decisive action, make decisions in a somewhat speedy manner, but speedy, if it's takes an extra 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it may be, go for it. Or even if you say, you know, let's revisit this. I need some time to digest. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. I, 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 I don't subscribe mm. to this idea that a leader is based on how quickly they make decisions. It's how well they make the decision. Yeah. So long that it's so long again, going back to this whole thing, it's like if we were on the planes and, and, you know, I'm relying on you to walk me to safety, I'm going to make sure that you are more or better equipped to walk me to safety than me going on my own. And if I don't yeah. feel that way, I'm going to go on my own. So <laughs> followership is really about, I want to believe in this other person. And so if you take so long to make a decision that you lose credibility or people don't trust you, then that's a concern. But if you take enough time to make the right decision, people will believe in you and they'll want to follow you. And that's, that's really at the core. What I believe leadership is, is, is it's creating a, a relationship with another human being where they believe in you so much that they're going to follow you. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. That's a great uh, definition and thought. When we, when we, uh, when we think of surprising people and giving people experiences, which you've really been doing your whole life, do you have any favorite stories, either stories that inspired you of great, great stories of how people have done that or stories that you've been a part of where you've actually been able to do that for others? Any, any favorite stories you want to share? Sure. Yeah, I could, few, I could share a few. So element of surprise. So I mentioned parties. So when I was younger in my early 20s, I used to throw these elaborate New Year's Eve parties. And one year it was a New York theme and I'm in Los Angeles. So it was on a rooftop in Hollywood. And it was at this amazing hotel where we completely decked out the roof of the hotel to look exactly like New York. So people had to take the elevator up, they didn't know what to expect other than it was New York theme. They get out and I have the entire place completely reimagined to look like New York, all with shag green carpeting around the pool for Central Park. I had Jumbotron with an animatronic ball that dropped, that dropped at the strike of midnight. I had an 18 foot Statue of Liberty that I had craned in. And at the strike of midnight, I had snowblowers that went off all throughout the roof. So it's snow at the strike of midnight. And so all of these things help to create the experience. And what I'll tie this back to is a, a simple premise, which is if you look at one of the, the greatest, um, you know, say what you will about Disney, the theme park, the reality is you cannot argue what Walt Disney has been able to create from loyalty and incredibly passionate fans. And the reason why is I interviewed, uh, I interviewed somebody that worked at, at Disney and he, he said that, I think it was Michael Eisner. I think it was Michael Eisner who said this. He said, it's, it's kind of like a pointillist painting. And what he meant by that is there's all of these little details. And if you're zeroed in on one of them, you can't really tell anything. But when you pull back and you look at the art as a whole, a beautiful picture emerges, a beautiful piece of art. And so for me, when I think about experiences, it's all the details. It's all these little things that add up. One of them may or may not be the difference, 
But when you collectively look at all of them, it makes a huge difference. And then the, the, the last thing I'll share about experiences and how, how I think about them is in psychology, there's something called the peak end rule. And there's this great book called The Power of Moments where they talk about this rule. And the idea behind it is people are not going to remember an entire event, experience, what have you, but they will remember the highlights. They'll remember a peak of the event and they'll usually remember the end of the event. And so for me, and I also think that the, the beginning matters too. So like a strong start, an epic ending, and a powerful peak. So those three things combined, mm. I think help create the type of experience. And so one more final example, when I was at Tesla, I was responsible for the transition event from Solar City to Tesla. And so <laughs> I literally drove a Tesla. There's thousands of people on this call. And so, and that we had this awesome video and this really like pumping music. I think it was ACDC. So a little, little love there for you guys down in, in Aussie. <laughs> uh, and, and so we had, I think Thunderstruck was playing and I drive a Model S up to the stage. Who am I? I mean, I'm not Elon Musk, but I was pretending basically. I was like Elon Musk. I drive it up the stage. I'm the MC of this event and it's being broadcast to thousands of people around the, you know, the, the nation all tuning in. And so it was, it was, a, it was not me just on a microphone or on a zoom starting a meeting. It was, it, it had something that people did not expect and it blew them away. And it was, people are still talking about it to this day. So strong, strong start, mm. epic ending, powerful peak focus on those three things. Yeah. And I think what I love about that as well is you can apply that to uh, say onboarding uh, a new person into your organization, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of leaders get overwhelmed with all the ideas and all the different things they want to do better with how they manage their people. But I think a great place to start, exactly like how you just mentioned, is realizing that people's first hours and days in an organization really stick with them, and that it makes such an impression. And it will be memorable, uh, but it for you know there'll be some reason that it's memorable, right? Something will stick with them, uh, but you don't want it to be memorable because of how boring it was. Or so many people, like I remember chatting with um, with someone over over in the UK who started working for a big company, and said that they literally got given a computer and um, showed to where they would be sitting, and the rest of the people were working from home because this is during COVID. And so they, no one had onboarded them at all. And they were literally just sitting there with their computer and had to wait hours mm. and they went and got a coffee and like, they're a, they're a driven hardworking person and they're twiddling their thumbs there. And that was their first day. And I just thought, Whoa, that is like, so I, I think a great starting point, even with uh, something like onboarding, which can be, you know, uh, obviously you've got all the boxes to tick, but what can you do in the first day and the first two weeks to make it truly memorable? What experience can you give? How can you surprise them? What can you do with someone new? You know, what's the core message values vision that you want to get across to them? And what's the creative way that you want them in, you know, 20 years time when someone says, what's your most interesting moment ever starting at a company, even if they're not still with you to go, wow, when I worked at that company, those first couple of days were, um, you know, for some, you know, for this reason, they were just full on or, and, and so I think you're right. It's, you don't have to necessarily nail the whole thing. If you have uh, the beginning, the end and the peak, that also sort of applies to other things beyond just um, events as well. Oh, hundred percent. And this is, you're speaking about a topic that I, I have a bit of familiarity with having run on boarding for Tesla. My sole focus was how do I make that new hire experience congruent with the excitement people have to work for this amazing company, which is not an easy task. And so to your yeah. point, the onboarding experience is so crucial and more often than not is completely done wrong. And I, I boil it down to three things. Number one, you want people to align, understand and believe in the mission of the company. Number two, you want to as quickly as possible give them an opportunity to make work friends. And number three, they need to know exactly what's expected of them and how they can deliver mm. in terms of what their role and responsibility is. If they, if those three things are done, 90% of any problem you might have will go away. So, so believe good. in the, believe in the company. And, and, and that's great. Like people walk through the door with Tesla, 
but I can't screw it up, right? Like when I was, we would do some really cool things where people go on a factory tour, we'd give them a test drive of a vehicle, which helped to reinforce the passion they already had. But we recognized that we had a big obligation and responsibility to not blow it, right? If people believe in this company and they come and the experience is subpar, that's going to put a, a shadow of doubt in their mind that maybe this company is not as great as I thought it was. So, so yeah, you got to make sure people get that. You got to make sure they get some friends quickly and the friends piece that might be, that might be like literally the number one thing. Yeah. Uh, and then of course they need to know their job. I love that you put the, you've got the friends thing in there as well, because I've been thinking about this recently when it comes to leadership training events. And uh, I was just chatting with a great leader the other day and, and we were talking about uh, the different sort of, cause I, there's some things I've, I've got planned in the future around some different events. And, uh, and I was asking her advice and I just was reminded because she said, you know what, my, what's really helped me is this framework where I'm able to come uh, with like-minded leaders and we just share our problems and we share our issues and give each other advice. And we also just do a bit of a check-in on how everyone's going and it just reminded me, you know what, like the best leadership, uh, it just, I feel like this happens again and again, that the most, you just think the most important, amazing, mind-blowing leadership information. And yet, what was this person yet again reminding me? It's about the community and it's about those relationships and the connections and the belonging that made the thing that she's part of so significant and special for her. And I think um, for me, I probably underestimate that when it comes to crafting events or crafting experiences for, for leaders who are part of the clarity community. Yeah. I mean, look there, you can't underestimate the, the power of having somebody to turn to if your immediate supervisor is not there, your boss, whoever you, you have a friend that, that then you could turn to. And now you're creating an environment where there's a support system built in and they can lean on each other to give each other the, you know, any, any questions that they can't get answered or any thing that they're unclear about, you now have something to go to instead of just wondering. And believe me, we've all been in jobs where we're there and we're like, did I make a bad decision? I think it's almost more common than not that you feel that way when you start a new job. And then all of a sudden, like I had this, when I worked at solar city a month in, because I had a pretty senior level role. I left as a VP at another company. And I was thinking to myself, did I make a bad decision? I literally called my old company and I said, I think I made a bad decision. Can we meet for lunch? Luckily, I canceled the lunch, did not go back to meet with him. And I'm so grateful because I wouldn't have worked at Tesla. I wouldn't have had the experience that I had at Solar City. Mm. It's like, you know, you got to buy some time in the beginning. And I think you buy that time when you bring friends into the equation. Otherwise, you feel, you feel isolated. You feel lonely. You don't understand what your place is. I think that's really what people want. They want to know how does this, how do I fit into this? You know, cause you're, yes. you, you were, it's like your joy, it's dynamics. It's group dynamics. You join a party and, and it, it, you, that one extra person shifts the entire dynamics. It could be a, a table of three to a table of four group dynamics shifts dramatically. And the same thing happens when you start a new job you're shifting the dynamics of the organization and you may start to wonder where is my place? And it's up to the leader, the onboarding team and whoever else is involved to make them feel like they belong. And that's what people really want is they want to feel like they're part of something. Yeah, that's so good. It's, um, it's really interesting to me, the three things you mentioned for onboarding because uh, Patrick Lencioni, who I quote a lot on this podcast, he has a book called the truth about employee engagement and he talks about the three things that he's seen consulting to, 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 you know, large corporations for decades that really seem to underpin um, a lack of engagement. And he talks about anonymity. So whenever people don't feel known, that leads to a lack of engagement. Uh, he talks about immeasurability. When I don't, when I, when I can't be sure of what a win is, when I can't be sure of whether I'm doing a good job and irrelevance, if I can't connect my day-to-day -day job to a, higher purpose and a deeper meaning. And it's just so interesting that those three things are exactly the, the things that you articulated, you know, the purpose and, and the, 
the why of the company and buying into that, that's the, that's the irrelevance piece, making sure that people can connect that to their work. Then you talked about friends and those connections, that's the anonymity. And then understanding your job, there's the uh, immeasurability and actually having clear expectations. Uh, so I just realized that as um, you know, that that's those three things linked directly yeah. to that, to that book. It's so good. Yeah. I haven't even read the book, but that's really cool. I, and you know, it's some of this stuff. I, I think, I figured out along the way, some of it, I maybe had an idea of, but when you, when you, when you, I mean, it was a big company, right? So when we, you train enough people, you make enough mistakes, you start to realize where, where the, the holes are. I think ultimately as a leader of an organization, you, you're making a promise to somebody when you bring them into the organization that you're bringing them in for a reason. And I think to make sure that they have the experience that will justify them being there is, is critical. And so not every company has the backing or the, 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 the ability to do a robust onboarding program, but you as a leader can step up and can figure out ways and it, and it doesn't have to look perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be a little mm. bit haphazard, so long as you remember the macro, which are those, th those three things, which is, it's not hard to do a lunch where you get the team members together. It's not hard to have a very clear and specific conversation about why this company exists and, and, and what the purpose is. Like, why, why, do you, why you do what you do at that company? And it's, it's certainly not hard to make sure that the role has clarity. If you, you know, yes. Because again, none of this has to be perfect. I'm, I still have a small company. I wish our onboarding was as dialed in as, as we got Tesla's onboarding, but it took time and it took resources. So yeah. don't just think that because you may not have all of those things that you can't still do a really, really good job, even if it's not pretty to begin with. Yeah, one, one of the things that, uh, that comes to mind for me as you unpack that, which is a tip I would give for any leader who wants an easy way to sort of start doing that. When it comes to the purpose, I, I love uh, the foundation, the founding story of an organization and, um, and where possible, it depends on how large the organization is. Sometimes you'll have a regional office and you'll be managing that office and you bring people in who, who's been there a long time or who's a great storyteller in your, in your team. And sometimes just facilitating the new hires to be, sitting around a table with this person who's been here for 10 years and you tee them up to spend an hour just sharing, you know, a handful of stories and taking some, some questions, sometimes something that simple, or if you're leading, leading a small business, you're an entrepreneur, just remembering, cause we get so sick of our own voice. Like oh, I've shared this story three times. I'm so over it. It's like, no, those stories, particularly the story of how you founded an organization, like your story that you, that you shared a little bit here about Podify, that has the seeds in it of vision and values. Like it's all there. That's why I love founding stories. They're a great, they're a great way to tell, to engage people. Cause there's nothing more engaging than like a great story with the ups and downs, like, and warts and all. And yet in those stories, there's always the vision and the values and the purpose which people can start to connect to and, uh, and can be memorable. Oh, you're, you're so spot on, man. I think we, we inherently think we got to do it all ourselves and it's just, just not true. In fact, if we try to do it all ourselves, we detract from the experience instead of enhance the experience. And I love the word you use, your facilitator. And I, I think one easy way to think about how you integrate people into the company is giving them as many opportunities to hear from people who will inspire or who will educate or who will provide a, a greater understanding of the company they work for. And I, I think your, your example was spot on, right? It could be a founder or it could be a senior level person who that's the peak, right? That may be the peak. You, you have this and, and, and it doesn't take long to like literally map out, okay, what does the onboarding experience look like? You just have to get pen to paper and say, okay, day one is this, day two is this, day three is this. And maybe on day one, it's a 10 minute Zoom, you know, depending on how many people are you're onboarding, is it, you know, do you get the founder? Do you get one of the, the senior leader in that department? Or do you get somebody who's a great storyteller? Maybe they've been with the company, 
You know, when we used to do tours at Tesla, I mean, there was literally nothing you could do that would be better than going on a tour of the factory. Now, granted, I recognize not every company has a Tesla factory tour, but you got to play to your strengths, right? So what's the strength of your company? Is the strength of your company that you have a very unique product? And maybe you need to talk about that product and get people to really resonate with the way in which the product is made. Maybe it's a sustainable product, you know, figure out like what are the reasons people are joining this company? And if you could make sure that that's a part and built into the, the recipe of their onboarding, then they're going to really feel connected and it's going to take care of that, that first piece. But I think you're, you're, you're so, so, so spot on. I was loving every minute of what you just shared. Yeah, this is so helpful. And I, I love, uh, <laughs> I love these conversations, how we start by talking about Billy's story and then it's, we've really focused in on onboarding, which I've never done on the podcast before. And I think it's, uh, that's what I've loved about today. I didn't realize we were going to go there, but it's been so much fun. Uh, I want to jump into Leadership Express and ask you a few questions as we, as we wrap up. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. What's a book that you've gifted to other people? I love giving the book called The E-Myth, yes. uh, which is a fantastic, fantastic book. Uh, it's, it's had, it's now got E-Myth revisited and bottom line is you look at companies like McDonald's, for example, like why are they successful? Mm. It's because they have systems in place that they could plug anyone into and it's still going to operate. The reason why I could go to Venice, Italy, and I have the same Big Mac that I have around the corner from my house is because they have systems in place. And the E-Myth really dives into this idea of how do you optimize and create systems that will support the business in such a way that, I mean, people do matter. And I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that people don't matter. In fact, if anything, I'm a people-centric leader and, and entrepreneur. But I also think that doesn't, they're not mutually exclusive. You could have great people and great systems in place to mm. help those people shine. So I, I would say E-Myth is for sure my most, it's my <laughs> most recommended and my most gifted book. I love the quote in that book. That's something like, um, <laughs> if you're, if you're a, 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 an entrepreneur who's, who runs a business that completely relies on you, then you don't own a business. You just have the worst job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I, 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 and it's so true too. I mean, as a, as a new business, there are times where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. It's like, yes, identify those things and then, and then solve for it. Like there's a solution to everything. You just got to take the time to figure out what that solution is and implement it. Yeah. That's so good. Great recommendation. Um, any great podcasts that you're enjoying at the moment? Oh man, there's so many. Um, I'm trying to think of what my, most recommended podcast would be well we talk about it all the time on on my show because brendan kumara samu co-host with me is constantly referring to it but school of greatness with lewis house if you haven't mm. heard that one it's fantastic yeah um on purpose with jay shetty uh, i love i love his interview style and his mindful approach to really unearthing great insights um, I'm trying to think what other ones would be a top of my list. Um, those, those are and then fun one. I got a fun one here. Yeah. I listened to this one with my son, which is Ron Burgundy, the Ron Burgundy podcast, which some people may, may think it's absolutely bonkers, but I, it's a fun listen with a, with my family on a car ride. And my son absolutely loves it. He thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> So is that Will Ferrell on the, um, it is. Yeah. It's oh, Will Ferrell. It's, it's, I didn't, you gotta oh, check it out. So We've good. listened to every episode like two or three times. It's, 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 it's bananas. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's entertaining. That's yeah, such yeah. a good recommendation. I will. I love Will Ferrell. I love that movie Anchorman. Thank you. That's I'm going to check that out. Uh, this is a new question. Uh, I'm throwing in there for leadership express. What is a, uh, what is a question that, you use like that's your go-to question mm. in meetings or you just use it a lot in conversations any sort of favorite questions you ask yeah i do i have a question that i, I can't take credit for it james carberry is uh somebody i interviewed on my show and he gave me this one and i love it and the question is this what is a commonly held belief in your industry that you passionately disagree with what is a commonly held belief in your industry that you passionately disagree with and why? 
And I think this really plays to this idea of give me new information, give me something novel, give me a new, give me a new perspective. I don't want to hear the same recycled idea over and over again. I want to hear a new idea and why that idea is something that I should believe in. And so mm. I think I think when we ask a question like that, it gives people the runway necessary to provide a unique and not often talked about perspective on something. Wow, that's brilliant. I, I love that. I'll definitely be using that. That's a great question. Thank you. What's a great piece of advice you've received? So I am very much a believer of who, who you surround yourself with is, is so, so vital to your success. And I've been surrounding myself with my, my co-host, Brendan Kumarasamy. And I'll, I'm going to I'm going to give him a huge shout out. He's got a, a YouTube channel called Master Talk. And we, we got to know each other on Clubhouse. And he, his, his thought leadership piece that I, I love this is be insane or be the same. And what he means by that is when you, when you are willing to let your, your freak flag fly or willing to say something that goes against the grain or is unusual or unique or different or maybe even a little bit crazy, you're going to be a lot more likely to show up and be, mm. be heard than if you just blend in. And I think we, we blend in too much. And so we, we, our, our best and most important superpower is our individuality. And our own uniqueness is really what sets us apart from everyone else. We all are unique, but for whatever reason, we want to copy other people as a default. So I think lose that default copy mentality and instead embrace the mentality of individuality and uniqueness, even if that uniqueness means you're a little bit different or a little bit crazy or insane. I love that. Uh, one of the things that, that I've written a blog about before is this idea that I say that the best leader is the silliest person in the room. And, um, oh, I love that. and it's just because I find the best leaders when I get to know them, they are completely uh, I don't know whether they're unafraid. No, it's probably not unafraid. They're just courageous to look like a complete fool. And it mm -hmm. actually becomes, it's so endearing. Um, and, uh, and yet so many of us are so worried and about being embarrassed and looking silly and just a reminder. So I love that as well. Be, be insane or be the same. That's uh, that's a great saying. I'm, I'm going to. Um, Have you seen that. the video of the, of the guy, crazy guy dancing? Have you seen yes. this video? Yeah, the it's follower, like that, right? The follower one. Is it that one? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, that guy didn't care. He didn't care what crazy, like how crazy he looked. He just went out there and started dancing without any regard for what other people thought of him. And I think we should all channel a little bit more of the crazy dancer. If you haven't seen the video, go check it out. It's, uh, I know you've seen it, but if, yeah. if, if any of your listeners haven't seen it, just go YouTube like crazy dancer follower and I think you'll probably find it. But it's just a great example of, of what you've just described. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, a movie or TV show that really impacted you? <sighs> hmm, that really impacted me. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> this is kind of a, I'm sure a lot of people knew the concept of the law of attraction, but as corny and as maybe a bit cliche as the secret is, the, the reality is we do create our own destiny. And I really believe that. And we create it by the way in which we think. Mm. And, and I, I proposed to my wife that I'd already seen the secret, but we watched it again the day after Christmas. This was like 15 years ago. I proposed to her right after seeing that because it just, it, it inspired me to manifest and, and put into action, which what I'd already been thinking, which is I want to marry this woman. And, you know, now we're, we're going to be celebrating our 15th anniversary soon. And it, <laughs> it, it's an example of how a thought can turn into a thing. Yeah. And I, I think uh, I'm really into visualization. I'm fascinated, deeply fascinated by watching elite athletes, mm. how mm -hmm. they are able to craft a result based on them seen it in their mind. I mean, you could see this with some of the snowboarders in the winter, uh, winter games that just happened and in other events too, where they're just kind of like seeing something happen before it happens. And also there were some people uh, who 
you could tell their mindset was off. You, you, and some people you could tell their mindset was off. You could, you could hear yeah. them say, Oh, I was, I felt like I just kept on thinking about the last time and it didn't go so well. It's like, you're going to attract these things into your life. So I would say the secret would be uh, a, a very powerful reminder that if, if you haven't seen it lately, or if you haven't seen it at all, check it out and, and try to not like allow the woo woo nature of it, get you, uh, make you think that it's, it's not possible because I believe most of those principles, if not all of them are very, very real. Mm. That's a wonderful story. Beautiful story about you and your wife. Thank you for sharing that. I love that, that you watched it. And then you, you were like that I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to make this happen. I didn't even That's... have a ring, dude. I didn't even have a ring. I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's such a beautiful story. Thank you. Okay. Last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? It's okay to be a rookie. The rookie smarts are real. I interviewed Liz Wiseman who wrote the book rookie smarts and why are rookie smarts? Why does that phrase even exist? It's because a rookie isn't afraid to ask questions. Yeah. It's because a rookie is okay with the fact that they're new at something and they may not have all the answers. They may not have all the pre stories of what works, what doesn't work in their brain. They, they, they are finding everything out for the first time. And so they're going to do more work. They're going to be more committed. They're going to ask more questions. They're going to put, hopefully put people in their orbit that are going to be good mentors and advisors, which is another piece of advice, get great mm. people around you. Mm. But I would say embrace your rookiness just because you haven't led before, or maybe you're new to leadership doesn't mean you cannot be a phenomenal leader. I believe leaders are born and, and also they, the, the leadership ability can be developed, not just because you have a title. My yeah. wife runs a preschool and it's clear as day, the, the leaders that are being formed at that age, two, three, four, five. And so mm -hmm. when you take a leadership role, it's very likely not your first leadership opportunity. You've been leading already. Don't forget that you have the natural skills and then on top of that, embrace the fact that it's new in this type of arrangement where it's professional setting. And so get perspective, get other people to give you guidance and, and, and don't think that you can't pivot and change along the way. We're all works in progress. Don't feel like you have to be one rigid type of leader your entire life. My leadership approach evolved and changed as I changed and as I had more opportunity to have more practice and more chances to meet new people and have to adapt based on the individual, like I've said before, it's so important that you're able to do that. And so all of these things happen when, when we're open-minded enough to not feel like we have to put ourselves in a box, but instead give ourselves the freedom to, to operate in, in a way that will evolve over time. Yeah. Excellent. Well said. Uh, some really good thoughts uh, for those who have just been loving this and, and want to uh, find your podcast, to find you online, get in touch with you at Podify. What are the different ways uh, people can find you and connect with you? Well, first of all, thanks for the opportunity. It's been a fun, engaging conversation. You put a smile on my face throughout. You made me think and give me some really good moments to reflect on my own journey. To answer your question, I love meeting new people and, and probably the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a message there. Um, my website, if you are a podcaster, either current or future podcaster, just go to podify.com, P-O-D-I-F-Y.com. And there's a place there where we can set up a strategy session and I could learn more about what you're hoping to do and see if I can help in any way, you know, either to help you by giving you some tips or insights or help you by literally doing some of the work to help you create your podcast. I'm happy to, to do that. And to me, like life is really about the people in your life. And uh, if you are somebody that is excited about sharing your knowledge or wisdom or asking remarkable people questions that will share their knowledge with the world, I, I want to meet you and I want to get to know what you have in mind because uh, I, 
love the opportunity to help others make their vision become a reality. So, uh, but yeah, looking forward to, to meet you if, if you are interested. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I really want to encourage leaders out there who've been entrepreneurs, uh, managers, heads of schools, uh, CEOs, executives who have been umming and ahhing and struggling with creating great content for your company or your business or your not-for-profit that um, if you are on the fence but you've been listening to us today going maybe podcasting, then get in touch with Billy um, about uh, because I, I just think, yes, for entrepreneurs, it's it's maybe a more obvious thing because you can be a voice. But I, I really believe for a lot of you out there, this could be the answer you've been looking for in terms of uh, marketing, business development, thought leadership, all those sort of things that organizations and leaders are scratching their heads going, how do I develop that? Podcasting, in, in my opinion, is probably one of the best ways to do that. And Billy's a great person to connect with. Um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. It's uh, Today would have been uh, just great to put uh, in the shoes of a listener. I just think we've had so much fun chatting about onboarding, which is such an important topic and Billy's story. Uh, don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast, where I give you tips on how to build a high performance team and how to create a culture of coaching and those sort of things. And then I also have the Leadership Question of the Day podcast, where I ask you a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe and make you a bit uncomfortable as a leader. Uh, but I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Billy for being so vulnerable and so generous with your time and just sharing great wisdom. Uh, I've also just had a great time today. Thank you so much for coming on. Ah, oh, John, a pleasure all mine, my friend. And it was a great conversation and I'm so glad to share it with you. Thanks for the chance to have a fun conversation. And I feel like I could talk to you for hours. So thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. 
Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself, and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.